In these bleak days, humanity is at a breaking point. Economies are tanking. The woke mob is canceling everything. And the little guy, who's just trying to run a small business, is getting screwed from both ends. But not all is lost. Amidst the chaos, two men offer up their voices in the darkness, dropping 2,000-pound laser-guided truth bombs on today's lunacy. Introducing the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham and L. Bradley Sheaf. In a world made of steel, made of stone. Brad, the year is 1983. What a feeling. Flashdance. Really one of the iconic movies of the 1980s. Remember the woman that was a dancer that wanted to work in a steel mill. For what reason, I don't know. Um, but uh, I believe it was Joan Crawford who starred in that with a young Cary Grant, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and I could be. I have no idea. So I, I, I can't correct you. I'm aware of the movie. I never saw it. I do remember the song. It was a good one. I that mean, I don't know that it's particularly great. apropos for our current you know, state of affairs, because most people are feeling a little you know, bemused at best. But, you know, bemusement is a feeling. And so maybe it maybe it does apply. Yeah, I, th- I think it could. I mean, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But either way, uh, terrific film. I have not seen that yet, but I'm really biding my time until the lines die down. That's all I'm doing. Well, eventually it'll stream. Yeah, well, eventually it'll come to home video. We'll go down to Blockbuster, you and I. We'll pick one up. Blockbuster. That's a time travel question. We don't do that anymore. We don't do the time travel. But we're going to get to that today. We're going to get to a lot of things that I like to call unfinished business today as we uh, barrel towards the um the uh, christmas can i say christmas i don't know the christmas season can i say christmas sure i, I just mean not it. everyone celebrates it but i think people know what the season is this is david pridham and uh brad sheaf the wizards of woke who also mean business and brad that might be uh somewhat uh contradictory but uh, here we are uh, of course brad you can learn for those of you out there like our dear friend in uh, Oxnard. You can learn more about our show on our website, ipfrequently.com. Uh, you can follow us on social media, Instagram, the, the TikTok, the Twitter, the MySpace. A lot of the liberals are going to MySpace now that Twitter has been infiltrated with the radical right uh, at IP underscore frequently. Uh, and then, of course, uh, for those of you who listen to the podcast, the old Pridham and Sheaf podcast, uh, you can subscribe, rate, and review uh, wherever you get your podcast, and uh, in, in, in particular, we like folks to go to the Salem Podcast Network because that's where speech, among many other things, are free other than equipment and help with uh, booking guests. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're very, uh, we're very excited about that. And Brad, we get some of the numbers in. The numbers are obviously really good for the podcast. Some would say record-breaking. Others would not. But we've got the breakdown in um, gender uh, folks that listen to our podcast. And now uh, we got this uh, from our good uh, PR team and uh, wanted to sort of run that by, uh, run it by you and get your take. Oh, all right. Yeah, I know. I'm happy. I, I never know how we know these things. They always seem a bit, you know, cobbled together, but uh, I'm happy to hear what we have. Yeah. So, so far, Brad, our audience is made up of 80% 
men. 80% male is our audience. Our audience mm-hmm. is um, 9%, 9% uh, female. And then the other 11% is listed as non-binary. Oh, okay. Well, and then in terms of our uh, breakdown of listeners, most of them fall. 18% are 23 to 27 Eight percent or before twenty three, fourteen percent twenty eight to thirty four, thirty six percent thirty five to forty four, twenty four percent forty five to fifty nine, and zero percent above sixty. Zero. So that means uh, your dad and my mom, they're not listening. No, that's probably true. The the old man, and I'm sure your mom wrestles with the whole concept of the podcast and downloading and streaming and things of that nature. But bud, we're we got a high percentage. I think if I was tallying it rapidly in my head, we're close to 50%, like in the money demographic, right? Those folks that actually have money, like the 35 to, you know, 55-ish um, demo, as they say yeah. in the business. And look, I, I take a couple things from that. One is that we are right on course to where we uh, need to be. And in fact, we're on course to where we are. And uh, two, it, uh, it says a lot for our lack of self-esteem as uh, the way we were brought up and that our parents are not supporting us. But Brad, we always start, we always start with uh, the news items of the week that everyone needs to um, uh, look at, understand, take with them. They, a lot of good feedback from people taking our news items of the week and our, our talking points to the Thanksgiving dinner table and uh, bandying it about with uh, family and friends, non-binary and the like. And, uh, we like to start with these big news items of the week uh, just to help people you know, sort of grease the skids for that uh, holiday conversation. So we've got a couple of things to talk about here this week, Brad. First, the big uh, dinner for three at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, former President Donald Trump had dinner recently with Kanye West, who has obviously had a lot of uh, anti-Semitic uh, rants over the past few weeks. Uh, of course, he's no longer married to uh, to the Kardashian girl. And he's now out on his own running for president of himself in 2024. And a gentleman named Nick Fuentes, who I thought was some sort of a dinner singer, but he apparently is a a Holocaust denier and a radical uh, anti-Semite. And Trump let them all into Mar-a-Lago and they had a meal together. And then afterwards, Trump said that he didn't know who uh, this uh, Fuentes guy is. But I guess one of the questions that that comes to mind as you see decisions like this is, does um, does it sort of bode poorly for Trump's chances to get back into the White House that he's sitting down and dining with someone that has actively praised Adolf Hitler? Well, but I, I would say, unfortunately, probably not, because I, my impression is, and I could be dead wrong about this, there's no science behind this, as I said, it's just my impression, is that people who are rabidly pro-Trump, it's not actually Trump that they're pro, right? It's very similar to those that are anti-Trump. It, it's the idea, right? And so the people that are rabidly pro-Trump, when you ask them, why are you for Trump? Again, this is just my experience. It's not a poll, no science behind it. They, they rarely give you more than one or two, two being you know above the over-under, positive things about Trump that they like. They just tell you all the things about someone else they can't stand. And then they say, you know, so I'm for Trump, which I kind of get, right? I mean, there's a lot out there to to not like in terms of our government and our options for government. 
And so it's really not that anyone says, well, look, here's a laundry list of all the amazing things Trump has done. And when you point out that, you know, Trump has also done some things like sit down with rabid anti-Semites just to get a response, people just wave that off and say, yeah, 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 but he's not, you know, this. And so then when you go to anti-Trumpers and you point out things, you know, and, there, and here there is a laundry list of things that Biden has just screwed up by the numbers, right? Like if you sat a guy down and said, listen, we want to make as big a mess out of this as we can, Biden's your guy, right? And so if you start listing those, then people just go, no, nah, yeah, yeah, but he's not Trump. He's not Trump, right? And so unfortunately, we have gotten ourselves in a situation in this country where we're not for anything. We're just against a bunch of stuff, right? And that is not a path forward. It's not a path forward in business. You can't have a business model that says, well, we don't know what we do. We just know we don't do that, right? That, that's not a business model. It's not a model for government. As I was taught at a young age, it's not even a model for sort of mapping out your life, right? As my old man used to tell me, hey, never walk away from something. Always walk towards something, right? Don't just leave. Have some idea where you're going. And we have lost that thread in this country. And that is our problem. That is why we have, I mean, just think about it, folks. There are somewhere in the neighborhood of 330 million people in this country. And let's just say that only 10% of them would be qualified to be the president. I think it's much more than that, but let's just say that, you know, for baseline, this is what you got to have to run for president. Let's just say it's 10%. That's 33 million people. And yet somehow the top two in our presidential pyramid are, wait for it, Donald Trump and Joe Biden. I mean, what the hell are we doing? That's right. And so, so far, we've got Trump and Kanye West and Biden as the announced candidates for presidency. So that's an interesting thing. And what was funny about this dinner is that during the dinner, Conway, Kanye West asked Trump to run as his vice president, which is just hysterical on a number of levels. Of course, the anti-Semitic things are, are just disgusting and, and shouldn't be tolerated. And it shows Trump's judgment even sitting down with these two lunatics. But that's what he's reduced to. Right. And uh, that's unfortunate. And that is what it is. Yeah. Finally, Brad, what we like to do this time of year is also toss in a heartwarming story for the season. It is, of course, the uh, season of Christmas, of Hanukkah, of uh, the new year. And so one of the things we like are second chances, heartwarming second chances. Brad and I are a sucker for that. We used to love the old the uh, Lassie. Remember Lassie, the Lassie film? Oh, of course. Dog would come running out of the brush and save Timmy, who was kind of a git um, out of the latest, you know, issue. Um, But I give you uh, the coach at Liberty University, Hugh Freeze. Freeze? Freeze? Freeze. Freeze? Freeze. Hugh Freeze, who... um, uh, as you know, was a successful coach at Ole Miss, <laughs> the, uh, the uh, Ole Rebels of Ole Miss, Miss Ole Miss, yeah. um, who about six years ago was asked to leave Ole Miss after calling, um, repeatedly calling an escort service a number of times uh, on his school provided cell phone. Um, went to Liberty <laughs> University, where many people go. The uh, maybe he was lost. He just needed an escort. Maybe, maybe he did. But you don't know. You don't know. Maybe but he went you just to. Don't uh, know. Liberty University, of course, the home of uh, Jerry sense. Falwell, Jerry Falwell's son, who, of course, had his issues with the pool boy. <laughs> sure really, did. Not long ago. Yeah. Um, but uh, Frise goes there. And now yeah. he has been he has risen from Liberty like, uh, you know, the Phoenix from the Arizona um, and uh, has been signed on as the next head coach at Auburn, uh, oh. where they are going to uh, probably provide him with a regulated burner phone as opposed to a school iPhone. 
Yeah, no, I mean, and that's the way to go. You, you, you bring in your coach and you say, listen, we have some rules here, right? We have standards. Uh, this is a, this is a, uh, this is a genteel organization. So this is the phone you use for regular conversations. This is the phone you use to dial up a hooker, right? I mean, let's, let's not be absurd. Let's use the right phone for the right reason. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So, so feel good. So, so those of you who are trimming the tree or doing whatever you do at this point in time, um, th- this is a, a, a positive thing and, and it's sort of a reclamation story. And well, Brad, we're, I guess we're going to see what Frise does with it, right? <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, as a man with two phones, probably also has a pager. Probably so he's, does. Uh, he's all set. Yeah. And, and he's not performing heart surgery, if you know what I mean. Except yeah. on the ladies. Yeah. Well, yeah, there you go. Uh, finally, Brad, uh, World Cup, the World Cup. Oh, um, World Cup. Nice. Uh, you know, they're like, I'm looking at the standings and there's mm. a group A all the way through a group H. Mm. And I know mm. you and I had picked Tunisia to win the World Cup. It doesn't look like that's did going. They? They, they did not. Oh, that's too bad. All right. I believe I, I believe Constantinople is ahead. I'm not sure. Good. But uh, listen, the World Cup is ongoing. It's exciting. We'll get, get more into that as the program uh, goes on. And those of you who are listening to this podcast months or years down the road, keep listening. We uh, we have had some great reaction to our big Thanksgiving show where we named our turkeys of the year. A lot of people are saying, uh, David and Brad, when are you going to do the big New Year uh, resolution show where you talk about your resolutions and your predictions uh, coming up for the new year? And then what I like to say to people is, well, that'll be around around New Year. Yeah, that's a, those two things kind of go hand in glove. Yeah, we can't do it now because we don't know what's going to happen. It's sort of like what Brad did last year when he single-handedly murdered Betty White by jinxing her and saying that congratulating her for making it to New Year's Eve when, in fact, uh, she didn't. I think she was killed by her butler, if I'm not mistaken. I didn't even know she had a butler. But we have heard some you know, negative things about Betty White post her demise, which I think is unfortunate. I believe we heard that B. Arthur called her the C word, Brad. I, I believe that's correct. I mean, it's kind of hard. To imagine B. Arthur, you know, feeling that degree of passion. Um, but hey, you know what? She let it fly and good for her. Someone call that a whitewash, but that's fine. Of course, Brad, we can be found wherever people uh, get their podcasts. Remember to rate, review, recommend wherever you get the podcast. And then, of course, <clears throat> our preferred podcast network is the Salem Podcast Network, where we uh, join with uh, other uh, conservative voices to sing um, uh, a, a song about freedom about free speech, and about uh, equal opportunity. Not to mention rocking around the Christmas tree, which uh, we sang in fine fiddle earlier this week. Correct. And we will be at the uh, the big uh, Salem <clears throat> Christmas party. We'll be at the, I'm looking forward to the Cable Radio Network Christmas party, Brad. Fred Dreyer, who played Hunter, is going to be there. Of course, he's on the big uh, afternoon sports drive show on uh, Cable Radio 1. And uh, we'll probably be hanging out with him telling old war stories. Uh, let's hope. Next, Brad, uh, let's go to uh, an issue that's near and dear to our hearts. One of the things we've talked about is this whole daylight savings time thing. You and I have uh, talked about it and about how it's crazy. I think your last uh, comment on that was to split the difference and just keep time on the 15s. Now, my idea is that we just do it every month, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, just to see what happens. And don't tell people which way you're going to go. Just have them wake up and their iPhone or Android device will tell them what time it is. Um, But uh, now, Brad, I give you uh, a big report by CNN. 
of course, CNN going through upheaval mm. since they fired all those people because no one was watching. Um, they have uh, they have now come out with the claim that daylight savings time must be scrapped because it is a uh, a part of the it's, institutional it's racist. racism. <laughs> in the, I knew you, it. you got it. You got it. <laughs> well, you said CNN, buddy. So, uh, you know, it wasn't hard. And uh, CNN on CNN, Dr. Beth Malo. Believe is a woman, but I don't. I don't want to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, said that daylight savings time is associated with an increased risk of sleep deprivation, um, and uh, and that leads to poor health outcomes, including obesity, hypertension, type two diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and certain cancers, including breast and colon. And these health outcomes, many of them, are more prevalent in the black population. Um, and so uh, it, it uh, should be scrapped, at least in those black communities. And so uh, interesting uh, take on this. It's something I never thought of. Um, but, Brad, I guess the question is, is daylight savings time racist? Oh, buddy, I mean, everyone knows there's always been, you know, black time and white time. Right. And that, you know, white time works better for white people and black time works better for black people. I mean, it just makes sense when you think about it. I mean, buddy, it's just ridiculous. And and once again, the, the the left they can't even get their story straight. I read an article earlier this week that a buddy sent me. Both of us having been, you know, tangentially associated with medicine because we were both medics in the military and then in federal law enforcement. And the the subject of the article was that you're going to, you know, doctors need to be better educated to understand. That many of them, those that are, you know, come from a, that, that are white and come from a better than lower class background are naturally oppressive, are very likely to oppress their patients. And, you know, they can't help it, right? They don't intend to, they just can't help it because of who they are. And so they, they need to be educated on this. And one of the things they need to be educated on is that there is no such thing as a disease or disease process that is more likely in one race or another. You can't look at someone who comes into your office, note their ethnicity, and then begin to form a differential diagnosis based on that, because that would be racist, right? So the fact that all these statistics, to include the statistics cited by this obviously left-leaning doctor, will point to the fact that you know just certain races experience certain diseases and disease processes more commonly than others that well-known, very scientific fact has to now be ignored by doctors if they're going to be suitably woke. And they have to look at someone walking in their office and say, well, regardless of the fact that this person falls into an ethnicity that very commonly has this disease and they have all the symptoms of this disease, I cannot diagnose them with this disease because that would be racist, right? But, but I think that's now offset if they have turned their clock back. Because now if they have turned their clock back, then all of these diseases will descend upon them like various stages of various plagues. And now doctors need to be aware that it's not the ethnicity, it's the setting of their watch that determines their health status. And so therefore, their diagnosis should be based largely on that. Yeah. I mean, maybe if we just go to the 15s, all of this is is uh, alleviated, right? All these issues. I, well, buddy, I mean, based on the way that the world works today, where you make up your own reality, you just state something and it is therefore true. Everyone should just pick their own time. Like for you, it could be 927. For me, it could be 146. And, you know, it just doesn't matter because to, to dictate to us, to mansplain to us what time it is, 
simply because you've looked at a clock and that clock happens to have some numbers on it is racist and dictatorial and superior and supremacist. I mean, I'll just pick my time and then you, you pick your time and we'll be fine. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe it's better, Brett, to just move on. We have some Christmas updates here and that'll get us more in line with the, the spirit of the season and out of this whole crazy subjective nature of our society and everyone having their own time. Um, and I can say Christmas, we've talked to the censors. They said, um, it's okay. And one of the things we like to do around this time of year as we head towards Christmas is give people some tools um, that help them with their Christmas strategies. And this helps. These are some great Christmas life lessons that uh, that they can learn that we've learned in the past or that others have taught, um, really suggestions for how to make the holidays better. And really, Brad, you and I know that when you need touch points to get yourself life lessons, it's sort of like the Dale Carnegie approach. You need to look at certain sectors of society who have perfected uh, being human. And so what Brad and I like to do, obviously, is we first look to royalty. We look to our elected leaders as uh, bastions uh, uh, of virtue and folks that know a thing or two about celebrating Christmas and how it's done, um, as they do most everything in their lives, right? Uh, so a couple of life lessons I think we need to learn. One, Brad, I, I give you Juan Carlos, the former king of Spain, who had to abdicate, I believe, years ago because he had some uh, quote-unquote issues. Um, but Juan Carlos was one who loved to celebrate Christmas, right? Loved to mm -hmm. celebrate Christmas. And uh, the latest, and this is a guy, keep in mind, this is a guy who had to abdicate. He um, chased Princess Diana around for a number of years. Uh, he injected himself with testosterone blockers to control his sex drive. He was a very uh, colorful um, uh, king of king of Spain. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, apparently his mistress, one of his mistresses, he had many, uh, who was a German businesswoman, uh, I believe named Helena Kraug, uh, if I'm not mistaken, or something similar to that. Karina uh, Zu Sayan Wittenstein is the name, um, uh, has said How that- How did we uh, go from Kraug to Zu Wittenstein? I think Kraug was the maid on Benson. Mrs. Kraug? Oh, that could be. Anyway, so this Wittgenstein, Wittgenstein woman, Wittgenstein, um, was his lover from uh, uh, 2004 to 2009, and she claimed that the king had a very unusual um, uh, habit during the holidays because apparently he hated his family, and he had an extended family. He had kids all over the place, uh, had wives, he had um, brothers, sisters, whatever. Hated his family. So what he would do is he would order through uh, his decree power, right? In Spain, the, the monarch has a very uh, powerful decree power. He would decree that uh, he would have all of his uh, Christmas celebrations uh, uh, with, quote, people he liked and have fake celebrations down to the Christmas card. So he would go and have Christmas cards with just acquaintances or people he would see that he liked the, you know, he liked their joie de vie or kind of their jib. And uh, he would get together and uh, bring, he'd bring his mistress, of course. And then they'd have these, quote, fake celebrations, including uh, dinners, hunting trips, uh, posing for Christmas cards, going to see Santa at the mall, all this stuff. So Juan, Juan Carlos, Juan mm -hmm. Carlos mm -hmm. uh, apparently had perfected the art of uh, celebrating Christmas. He would do it without his family, Brad, uh, with people that uh, he just generally liked the cut of their jib. But what's wrong with that? I mean, if you're going to, there's that, it's really not 
a celebration if you're with people you don't like, right? I mean, those are sort of mutually exclusive concepts. I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to express joy. Um, but over here, these people, you know, just bring me down. You can't. They're, they're sort of like offsetting penalties, and you can't really do either. So I think if you're going to celebrate, doing it with people you like is the way to go. Now, fortunately for most of us, certainly for you and I, we like our families. We're blessed in that way. And, uh, you know, some of us like uh, a farther spread of our families than others, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, we, we do have certainly the nuclear family. We both very much like ours and each other's for that matter. And so a celebration for us is an easy day, right? I mean, you just, you, I go to your house, you come to my house, we celebrate, we just sort of naturally do it. Could be Christmas, could be any, could be Feast of the Assumption. We're celebrating it. We like that. If you're Juan Carlos, though, and you have decree power, Decree. And you can just say, I decree. And then things happen, which is, you know, usually the case on the left anyway. They just decree something and make it so. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you celebrate with people you like. And he said, according to Wigenstein, yeah, um, Wigenstein. Wigenstein, yeah. uh, she said, the quote, the relate, and then talking about the relationship between King Juan Carlos and his family, the relationship in the family had deteriorated to such a degree that. The king said he couldn't bear the thought of spending a moment, let alone Christmas, with his family. He was dreading to go home. And this is a this is a lesson for some people out there, Brad. She further said, quote, so he does two pretend Christmases. One is the pretend real happy Christmas with people he likes or he just likes the look of. Uh, quote, then comes the pretend real Christmas with people he can't he can no longer stand. But that is not really the real Christmas. So there it is. President Juan Carlos. Um, Really, uh, the uh, Ricky Enrique Iglesias of Spain doing it right. Yeah, he's doubling down on the fake Christmas. Never does an actual real Christmas, I guess. So he does a fake Christmas with people that he likes, but they're not his family. And then he does a, a fake Christmas with his family, but it's not really a celebration because he doesn't like them. And so, you know, he never really gets to do the, uh, the true Christmas celebration, which is unfortunate from Juan Carlos, but, uh, you know, probably works out well for everybody around the people who he likes to cut of their jib. And then the folks back home, whose jibs he could do without next Brad, we give, we like to give travel trip, travel tips, travel tips over the holidays for people who are traveling. Um, you can near, also call it a trip tip, buddy trip tip, uh, yeah. near or far. Uh, yeah. and, uh, you know, one of the things Brad likes to do, and I, I never really understood this is hang out at the, uh, San Francisco airport, SFO. Of course, those are your old stomping grounds. Uh, but this year, Brad, I give you what's called the WAG Brigade that they've just started at SFO. The WAG Brigade recognizes that there are a lot of ple- people that are displaced uh, by no fault of their own who are wandering through airports connecting to uh, flights to places like Fiji or Los Angeles or Fiji. And mm-hmm. uh, these people uh, are very anxious because of the way society is uh, treating them and they need a little support. So the WAG Brigade uh, deploys a number of its troops, including a German shepherd, a collie, a 40 pound rabbit, and what appears to be a pig named Lilu. Uh, that, and the rabbit's name is Alex, Alex the rabbit, who just mm, work uh, two hour shifts uh, during the days around the holidays going through the airport, allowing anxious binary and non binary. Uh, people to pet them so that they feel a little bit better about themselves as they travel through SFO. And this is a program that people are looking to replicate across the uh, 
globe. Of course, not in Spain because Juan Carlos will let people pet him. Uh, so it's not needed there. But at SFO, Brad, it seems like it's something that's uh, being done for the better. Well, I get it. I, I didn't know. I thought WAG was going to be an acronym, but obviously it has to do with the tail. I, I'm not sure that it's applicable across the board, given what you've just said. I don't know that a rabbit can wag its tail or a pig for that matter. I mean, maybe they can. I don't, I'm not, uh, I'm not a veterinarian or a tail expert, uh, certainly when it comes to wagging them. Uh, but I like the idea. Of course, it's, it's going to blow up in a heartbeat because they've chosen to start it uh, just outside the city of San Francisco at the airport named for that city. And so they are immediately going to be sued by some snowflake who is allergic to rabbits and, you know, gets the sniffles. And so my fear is that while the WAG brigade is a well-founded idea and one that certainly hopes to serve humanity because you've started it in a city like San Francisco, boof, it's going down in flames, buddy. Uh, speaking of airports, Brad, uh, this week we've got uh, some troubling news. Of course, one of the leaders of President Biden's nuclear team that's dealing with uh, nuclear waste issues is Sam Britton. Sam Britton, of course, 34-year-old, non-binary nuclear expert, uh, was traveling through the Minneapolis airport where they have no such WAG patrol. And um, Sam, a senior Department of Energy official, believe it or not, uh, went to the baggage claim at Minneapolis St. Paul and uh, stole, lifted a blue uh, bag off the baggage claim. And so now she's facing charge he's facing charges of misappropriating someone else's bag and so brad i guess the question is if this wag patrol were in place at the minneapolis airport do you think it would have alleviated the situation i mean one the wag patrol may have been you know helpful in this situation i'm 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 not sure of course you wouldn't be able to bring the german shepherd to minneapolis because people associate german shepherds with police canines. And so I, you know, buddy, I don't know that we get there with the WAG patrol in Minneapolis. Finally, Brad, RIP report. Uh, We heard it going into this whole thing. The late, great Irene Cara, who sang the What a Feeling song, which was sort of a theme to the early 80s until uh, uh, Van Halen released uh, the 1984 album and Jump came onto our radios. But again, uh, um, Irene Cara, 63, really too young to to pass great singer that was a great song and it's a song it's one of the top songs of the uh, of the 80s yeah next brad we've sort of teased we've done what i call a tease so far mm-hmm. uh in this episode about uh time travel and about um uh about some of the um ramifications of tra- time travel because it's something people don't really think about as they travel through time and of course we used to have a segment on the program where you would uh we called it time travel where you would go through time and you'd be um, you'd be uh, uh, met with some uh, dilemma in the past that could impact us in the future. Like think uh, of the big uh, back to the future films where suddenly Biff was running the world or owned a casino or, or a sports team or something. And then you go back and you remedy some historical crisis. Think uh, the squeaky from incident with Gerald Ford trying to kill him with a water gun or the breakup of the monkeys, something like that. And uh, you would solve it and then you teach people how to deal with modern day problems using the analogy of some past event that you uh, uh, remedied in some way. And of course, that was sponsored by Zima. And since uh, Zima has gone into bankruptcy, we've sort of mothballed that. But I'm sure it'll come out at some point in 2023 or sooner. Um, but anyway, it might this, come out in the past. It, it could, in which case we'll all know about it because we're in the present. Correct. 
Uh, but anyway, this segment comes from, uh, you know, it's sort of like an unsolved mystery segment. So we'll call it uh, unsolved mysteries. But Brad, uh, one of the great things Facebook does is it allows people to uh, look at pictures from the past. And there is this photo that's making its uh, way uh, from the 1940s in Reykjavik, Iceland. Reykjavik, Iceland, of course, the home of the great Reykjavik summit between Reagan and Borch, uh, Gorbachev in the uh, 1980s. Uh, there is a photo um, of Reykjavik in 1943 that shows a bunch of people in period peace walking along the street. And it shows a man clearly in what appears to be a 1960s or 1920s hat, not a 1940s hat, holding a cell phone and uh, having a conversation on a cell phone um, in 1943. It's bizarre. Um, but there's literally no other explanation whatsoever for this uh, picture. And we'll put it up on the uh, social media so people can see it. Um, but there's no other explanation for this photo other than this man has traveled back in time with a cell phone and a paperboy hat. Uh, he doesn't look like any of the other people. He looks out of place and he's looking at the camera as if he's like Tom Cruise after a night in the town with the Scientologists. He's upset um, because he's been caught. But uh, apparently this man, too, Brad, is actually traveling through time. Yeah, or he's scratching his ear. I mean, one of those two things. And, and obviously, when you apply Occam's razor, uh, you have to go with the simplest explanation. And time travel is almost always the simplest explanation. And it makes perfect sense that he would have traveled back in time with a cell phone, because I'm sure, uh, you know, a few hundred thousand of his buddies traveled back in time to set up a cell phone network and then cell one towers. other yeah. yes uh, towers and and you know the cabling and and all of the servers necessary to support that and those guys traveled back and did that and then you know another of his buddies traveled back after that was set up with yet another cell phone and then those two guys just talked to each other and said hey isn't this cool we we've gone through all we, we've somehow figured out how to travel time and but since we're not really all that bright, what we've done is we've set up a temporary cell phone network based on technology from the future, and we can now talk to each other. And isn't that cool? Um, let's just go back to our regular time where we can talk on cell phones anywhere we go and not just within the narrow confines of this network. Uh, and I can take off this stupid hat. Mm -hmm. right, so I think that probably is uh, the, the simplest and best explanation for this picture, not the fact that someone happened to take a picture while someone in that picture was uh, doing the incredibly unusual thing of itching themselves. Well, I mean, that's certainly a pessimistic way to look at it. Another way to look at it is to say, Hey, look, time travel is real. And um, you know, there's, there's no other way to look at it, right. Except that maybe he's scratching his ear, but he, he sort of looks like the, the uh, uh, one of the researchers on Facebook, just a person who saw the photo. One of these people said, uh, and I quote, uh, I don't know what to say. I don't think he's just talking on the phone. Um, he's also uh, in a stupor, standing alone and wearing a different headdress than the others and scarf and acting like we would today, i.e. in the 2020s. So again, Brad, one of the sleuths on Facebook has, has basically figured this all out. Yeah, well, they can tell by looking at a single still image that that person is acting like someone who would be in the 2020s by doing things that we only do in the future from the perspective of this picture, like lean against a wall, right? I mean, not, nobody did that in the past. People where they were afraid of walls, oftentimes walls were unstable. 
engineering wasn't really at the level that it is today. Should you lean on a wall, you could cause your demise or the demise of someone else. No one did it. No one turned their head. No one did that either. No one wore a hat or a scarf. Uh, when everyone else in the picture is wearing a hat and a scarf, no one does that. And uh, so, yeah, obviously, the only solution for this is that this man is from the future uh, with his future hat and future scarf doing his future lean and talking on a cell phone, but only after waiting for months and months for all the rest of the engineers to come back from the future into the past and set up the cell network on which he is obviously talking. Bingo, bingo. You got it. Another mystery solved here at uh, the Pritiman Chief We Mean Business podcast. Next, Brad, a couple of uh, tidbits from the uh, election 2024 news desk. First, Elon Musk has said that if he runs, he will support Ron DeSantis. Um, so uh, that's some big news. And then uh, second, uh, former President Donald Trump has said that they remember that crazy woman who ran for governor in uh, Arizona and... Um, uh, Carrie Lake, who, who was ahead by 20 points of the polls and then lost. Yeah, was that for guy? I get confused. Wasn't there a crazy woman who ran for senator there, too? There were two crazy people. There was a crazy woman that ran for senator in, yeah. in uh, Seattle, in, in Washington. There oh, was okay. a crazy woman that ran for governor in, in Arizona. Yeah, there's a crazy guy that ran for governor for senator oh, in Arizona. Yeah, okay, there you go. That's it. I knew there were two crazy. Yeah. So, so she <laughs> came she came within a couple of points of winning, um, but didn't win. But okay. now Trump has said Trump has come out with a statement saying that uh, she should uh, this woman Carrie Lake should be quote installed end quote as the new Arizona governor. Um, not exactly sure why. But uh, so he said that. So we've got two pieces of news here. One, Musk is uh, all in on Ron DeSantis. He's putting his chips right in the middle of the table. And then two, uh, Trump says that we should install this woman as uh, uh, as as uh, governor. He said, quote, massive numbers of, quote, unquote, broken voting machines in Republican districts on Election Day. Mechanics set in to, quote, fix them and, quote, made them worse. Carrie Lake had to be taken to a Democratic area to vote. Um, Her opponent ran the election. It's so obvious that Lake should be installed as governor in uh, Arizona. So there it is, Brad. Uh, Pretty clear in uh, in my book. Yeah, well, certainly in Trump's book. And uh, if you are reading Trump's book, then it's probably clear to you as well. I think Musk is probably riding the faster horse with uh, DeSantis there. So good for him. He certainly knows about rides. The man launched a car into space. And so I think you have to pay attention to that, factor that in as you're deciding which direction to go. And, buddy, you've got me, I'm thinking now as a retirement job, I might want to be a voting machine mechanic. I mean, imagine the sweet set of tools you'd have, a grease gun, you know, perhaps a drill, a nice set of wrenches, perhaps a socket set, and, uh, you know, you go in, you pull back the curtain, you stand there with your hands on your hips. Yeah, all right, here's your problem. And then you break out a crescent wrench, perhaps even a monkey wrench, which I think would be fitting. And you just go to work. You get that thing tuned back up. And maybe it's the guy. Maybe it's the guy from the photo. Maybe it's the guy from Reykjavik that did all this. Well, yeah, I mean, he went back in time because that's where you typically find mechanical voting machines that require a mechanic. He learned that trade. He came to the future knowing Maricopa County was going to need him. And, uh, you know, he got those things burned like a kitten. Next, Brad, the environmental report, your friend and mine, Greta Thunberg, 
Thunberg, uh, the kid who shamed uh, the U.S. to act in uh, in, in terms of uh, its climate uh, policies, even though she's Swedish and has nothing to do with the U.S., has now sued her own country of Sweden for, quote, not doing enough to fight climate change. Uh, she marched into the Swedish uh, uh, court, I think also called the Hindenburg, with 600 people all under the age of 26 uh, who signed on to the 87-page complaint. Uh, they want the court to rule unilaterally that Sweden's climate policies have violated human rights. Uh, what do you think, Brad? Do you think there's a chance that this thing could pass the uh, legal sniff test and uh, be a big win for Greta Thunberg? I mean, I guess old Greta, you know, hasn't been in the newspaper in you know too long for her comfort. And so she decided to march into the Hindenburg there and, you know, file this lawsuit. Good for her. But my guess is that the country of Sweden is not going to be found in a court of law to have not done enough in terms of their protection of human rights. And there's one more thing, Brad, to cover today. We have a few minutes left. Barter band. Uh, we have to talk about something here. Barter Band, of course, the Bronze Stevie award-winning segment where we tell you whether something should be barter banned. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. And um, again, it could be anything. It'd be uh, an, an inanimate object, an animate object, binary, non-binary. Um, it really doesn't, um, uh, you know, it doesn't matter as long as it's something that uh, you could borrow or ban. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. Or not. That's the standard. Yeah. So this week, Brad, I give you Velveeta, um, the little, you know, the, the little packs you have in the uh, in the store, Velveeta, uh, shells and cheese. I guess you take it, you take the top off, you put water in it, you put it in the microwave, and it's supposed to take three and a half minutes for the microwave to boil um, the water or make it hot enough so that the macaroni and the, 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 the cheese, the Velveeta mac and cheese comes together. And then you have like a nice delicious treat. You also get the toxins from the um, plastic container that come in there and you get a good old, uh, good old t- treat. Well, I give you Amanda Ramirez of Hialeah. Hialeah is in uh, Florida. It's near Miami. It's uh, near little Cuba where they have great Cuban sandwiches and, and, and mariachi music, even though that's not Cuban. Um, Uh, recently filed a complaint, a federal class action complaint. Uh, $5 million is what's being sought, which is a a large amount of of money. Uh, It's a lot of mac and cheese. Um, And in the uh, class action suit filed against the folks, the good folks at Kraft Heinz uh, Foods Company, um, Ms. Ramirez alleges that the statement that this pasta this Velveeta shells and cheese will be ready in three and a half minutes is false and misleading because the product takes longer than the three and a half minutes to prepare for consumption. It goes on to quote the steps of the box and say that three and a half minutes, is just not enough time. It's not enough time, Brad, to get this mac and cheese um, uh, ready. So, so what I think is happening here, and I've, I've taken a, a copious look at this complaint and all of the exhibits, including um, various uh, packages of mac and cheese that Ms. Ramirez tried to make. Um, it, it, what they're trying to do is really effectively ban Velveeta shells and cheese from the marketplace, or in the alternative, have, have them come back with something that actually takes three and a half minutes or less to, to microwave. And I guess the question here is, Brad, there's two twofold. One, should the Velveeta shells and cheese be barred or banned? And then two, what suit is more meritorious 
Greta Thunberg's suit seeking a human rights ruling on climate change or Amanda Ramirez's suit seeking to get a, uh, a, a, a mac and cheese that she can have ready in three and a half minutes. Well, but, uh, yeah, banning microwave mac and cheese may overall not be a bad thing, right? I mean, my guess is that it's probably not you know, the most healthy of meals. I don't know. Perhaps it is. Um, but typically, foods that are designed to go in the microwave and be ready quickly are not, you know, at the peak of the, you know, sort of uh, nutritional pyramid, if you will. So I, that may be a good idea. I don't know. We'd have to do further research. Uh, whether or not these two suits should be in competition, I think you're on to something there, my friend. I think Perhaps what we need is another level in the court system where, you know, judges being typically busy people, there's a uh, there's like a knockout round before you get to actually file your complaint and you go head to head in the silly suit category. And so, you know, Greta shows up with her, you know, little pigtails there in and tries to shame everyone. And then this gal shows up and says, gosh, darn it. It took me four minutes to make my, you know, shells and cheese. Uh, you said it was going to be three and a half. But this idea of a knockout round for lawsuits, you know, the silly suit knockout round, I think is, is potentially a very good idea. Brad, you know what I smell here? I smell a new segment. I do as well. We'll prepare the slide. We'll prepare the jello. And we'll be right back here next week. On IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.